Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up, or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. Hello. I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under. The spooky crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts. Cryptids. Aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Fearscape. Man, Fearscape is here, yep. baby. We, yeah, are we are here, and uh, it is 2020. Yeah, 2020. Barbara Walters said this is 2020, and she was right. <laughs> she is. She's a psychic. <laughs> She's a psychic. Uh, but no, we're so thankful you guys are still tuning in. Uh, we've got a really cool uh, story for you guys today. We're going to be talking about the uh, documentary that is making waves all around the paranormal community right now. Hellier. It's actually in its second season. Yep. Um, so it was already making waves, but this second season has just... Yeah. Blown it out of the it's water. just blown it out of the water. I am obsessed with this. Like a fat kid loves cake, and I'm fat kid, <laughs> and I love cake. Um, so I know. Uh, but we're gonna get into that. Uh, but you know, we wanted to once again say thank you to 100.9 WCHQ FM. They closed their doors on December 31st. Rest in peace, guys. Thank yep. you so much for 10 great years of radio of local music in the Louisville, Kentucky area, Shout and out. housing us for a year there. We are so pumped, but we still are going on. The, the podcast continues. The journey continues. But anyways, if you didn't know, my name is Stefan, and uh, I am joined, as always, by my uh, lumpishly looking um, co-host. I'm not really sure that's a good adjective. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> lumpishly. Lumpishly <I> <laughs> looking. That reminds me of the um, that president of the United States of America. Yes, that song, lump. You know, it's lump. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, that's you. Josh Rutledge, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, so like I said, we're going to be talking about Hellier today. I got Josh hooked on this. He's We're getting everybody oh, yeah. and their mother hooked on this like crack. It's like, it's like a journey. You just have to take everybody on a journey. Absolutely. But before we get into that, we both have some spooky news yep. to get rolling. So let's get into that. All right, Josh, I'll let you go first. What kind of spooky news you got for us today? Yeah, so this comes from uh, CNN on the travel section. Uh, I don't know why it's on the travel section. <laughs> but, um, what do we do with it? So uh, the, the, the uh, uh, title of the article is Meet the Scientist Trying to Travel Back in Time. Oh, yeah, Doc Brown. <laughs> so uh, it says, you know, the, uh, the past, uh, it has been said, is a foreign country, and sometimes it's another country we yearn to visit. We can't, of course... Whereas actual travel is limited only by how much cash we can spare, visa requirements, and flight cancellations, 
journey into times gone uh, by is limited by the cold, hard laws of physics. However, this guy, uh, not Doc Brown from Back <laughs> to the Future, Damn it. but a few uh, real-life scientists currently trying to realize the dream of turning back the clock to travel to the ultimate destination. They're going back in time. <laughs> also trademarked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shout out to Huey Lewis in the news. Yep. Uh, among them is Ron Mallet, a astrophysicist who has dedicated much of his adult life to the notion that time travel is possible. He's come up with the scientific equations and principles upon which he says a time machine could be created. While acknowledging that his theories and designs are unlikely to allow time travel in his lifetime, for years he's been working in parallel to respected academic career to fulfill his dream of venturing back in time to see his beloved father again. Uh, there's always there's always yeah. some sort of sweet reason. So, you know, he goes in a little bit of backstory, you know, about his father, his TV repairman. He instilled in his son, you know, reading, encouraged him to budding passion for science. Um, and basically it just says now he's looking for funding. So if uh, if anybody would like to, to donate money to Mr. Ron Mallet, he's at, he's at UConn. Uh, nice, prodigious uh, mm-hmm. school there. <clears throat> but, yeah, so this comes to us from, from CNN. Speaking of UConn, speaking of UConn, that's gold. You can go back in time, get gold. That's what they did in uh, one of those movies. Yeah, that's Time Cop, maybe. I don't remember. I think it's spelled differently. <laughs> oh, so it's not like UConn Cornelius? <laughs> <laughs> that might even spell differently still. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say this. I am not a scientist, but my God, do I believe in time travel. Though I think it's going to be nothing... Nothing like we think. You know, one of my biggest issues I have with time travel is does our body move when we travel back in time? Because not only does our world spin, but it spins around something else. So, like, I've always been afraid that if we went back in time, would we be in the spot we're at right now? And then we're just in the middle of space and we're like, "Uh oh, (laughs) what's the um, there's I mean, there's a lot of movies that, that talk about. Uh, Twelve Monkeys. Yeah. Um, the um, <clears throat> there's a show on Netflix that talks about you know just basically projecting your consciousness yes. back in time as opposed to your actual being. And I'd much rather do that. I mean, I mean, I know some people want to go back in time to change things, right? I I don't want to. I, I've seen too much Doctor Who. I've seen too yeah. much everything. Butterfly where, effect. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot. But I would love to go back just experience and, and experience that. And one of the topics, and I think I mentioned this a show or two ago. One of the topics that I have is. The Vatican supposedly has a TV that's able to look into the future and look into the past that that a priest created. I think it's called like Chronovision, but I would definitely love to take a dive into that. Not Activision. Not no, not Activision. Uh, Sorry, Atari people. It's not Activision. Uh, Or Univision. Or it's definitely not Univision. Um, So my story comes from the Denver Post. We got two spooky newses. Uh, This one's is is spooky in 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 a in a government kind of way. So it says, uh, weird and concerning mystery drone sightings continue in Colorado into Nebraska. And uh, this actually came from uh, some of our fans. I actually had a few people send this story to me because it it was showing up. Uh, But it says authorities in Lincoln, Washington and Sedgwick County say they, too, are stumped by clusters of aircraft. Mysterious drone sightings have been reported in three more rural counties in the northeast corner of Colorado and at least one county in Nebraska. As local law enforcement officials and residents remain clueless as to what's flying above them at night. (laughs) 
The sheriffs of Lincoln, Washington, and Sedgwick counties told the Denver Post on Friday that their offices have been getting calls this week about the unknown winged devices days after initial reports out of Phillips and Yuma counties caused a national stir. Now, here's what's interesting about these, Josh. Local and national authorities say they have no idea who is operating groups of very large drones reported to have six-foot-long wingspans and spend the nighttime hours flying in grid-like patterns. While the powers uh, that be have no answers, the mystery aircraft have inspired a wide range of theories online. Uh, Some people say it must be the work of Mexican drug cartel. One commenter on the Post website said it's obviously aliens from a far off galaxy. Uh, Perhaps it's the History Channel looking for lost cities or ranchers trying to track their cows, other theorized. But thus far, all anyone can do is guess. Uh, Sedgwick County Sheriff Carlton Britton said residents have been calling his office consistently since December 17th, reporting six to ten drones at a time. The calls mirror those that happened in Phillips County. The clusters of drones hover or cruise through the area between 7 and 10 p.m., flying several hundred feet in the air. Uh, They've also said that, uh, and this even comes from the sheriff who's seen them, that lights of an unknown color flicker from above. And we've heard that before. Yeah. that the lights were a color that they couldn't understand. Yep. Um, and yeah, the sheriff says there's a lot of conspiracy theories floating around in Sedgwick County right now. Uh, they've been batting ideas around with the other county sheriffs trying to determine if any laws are being broken because as it stands right now, it's all above the board, even if it's a bit disconcerting. Uh, and it just goes on there kind of making some jokes. But they say that it is very weird and very concerning because they'd really like to know what's going on. So even the sheriffs, man, they're they're following them around trying to. <laughs> so, so a couple of things that I'm surprised haven't happened yet. No one shot at one yet, right? <laughs> right. I was just listening to our last week's episode. Why does somebody shoot at a UFO? Right. <laughs> the other thing is, uh, I was reading through some of the comments on the website uh, for the article, mm-hmm. and uh, somebody was on there talking about um, they own like ten or fifteen different drones, and the and the level of drone that is described in the article. Would be like several, like ten to fifteen thousand dollars per drone. Wow! So the likelihood that a rural resident has thirty of these things that they're flying around. Well, you see, <laughs> I, you know, you know, Danny down the street, he was just a conspiracy nut, man. When he died, I don't know what happened, but he left me all his guns and he set his treasure trove in his basement. <laughs> and I saw all these drones and thought, boy, I could keep an eye on my cows real good. <laughs> <laughs> essentially what that is. But you know what else is uh, really big in Denver is uh, the Air Force Academy. Mm, yeah. Yep. I mean, that. there's definitely military bases everywhere. I mean, I don't know. That's why I said I, I don't nef- definitely know if it's spooky in terms of aliens or anything like yeah. that, but definitely spooky. That Definitely weird, though, that, that like local law enforcement doesn't. You, you would think if it's the Air Force doing it, they would yeah. reach out and say, hey, we're going to do some test flights at night. Just and in it's, case. It, I mean, it's crossing state lines. Right. You know, that's the other side of it. It's crossing state lines. County and lines. It, and it, it, no, it crossed into Nebraska, too. Oh, okay. There's one county in Nebraska that got hit. And so it's like it's crossing state lines, which is already kind of a weird thing. And that's there's a fleet of them. It's not like it's just one. You know, it's a fleet. So it's kind well, of somebody weird. got a discount bulk buy. You know. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, but I mean, you're <laughs> trying to control all of those at the same time. <laughs> Come on, man. I don't know. But, yeah, so I guess that's spooky news. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving right into, uh, into Creepy Ketchup. So let's go ahead and do that here. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy 
Catch-Up. Creepy Catch-Up. Creepy Catch-Up. Y'all, it's creepy. So, I have some creepy catch-up, finally. Finally. I, I don't have any. I, I know. I figured as much that if I had some, it yeah. transferred over to me. So, I had two things happen at the same time. So, I wake up, and I'm floating. So, uh, astral projection. Okay. Classic astral projection. This actually happened two, three nights in a row. Do you see yourself? Yes. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I, f- I felt myself float up out of my body, and I was able to turn around and look down at myself. Um, you know, I was able to kind of move around the room a little bit and things like that and see my wife and, and stuff like that. Um, so that was interesting. I've, that's never that I can recall. I don't remember that happening very often, if ever. Um, but yeah, just floating there it was the weirdest sensation, and I was frightened. Like mm. I was, I was really, really scared about it. I don't know why. Like my first instinct is not to go, "Oh, let's go fly to Disney World," you know, <laughs> like or whatever. Yeah, let's see what my house looks like. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm like, oh god, oh god, oh god, I'm afraid of heights. And uh, so, anyways, the third night uh, when I came up. Like, so the third night was a combination of the astral projection and sleep paralysis because I couldn't move. I woke up. I couldn't move. I couldn't move. I couldn't move. So you're projecting, but static. Yeah. And so, well, I projected. So um, I woke up the way you normally do, but then I projected out and I could see my body shaking like it was trying to move. Like I could watch it. I saw it happening. And then I saw the black creatures around me the further and further I got up and then they all turned and looked at me and it's that classic black face just red eyes yeah. and then I heard this like chittering I, I guess is the best way like <laughs> like that's the best way I can describe yeah. it and it scared me and I went and like just fell back into my body and woke up the next morning that's crazy like <laughs> that is some crazy stuff, yeah. man. And so it happened three nights in a row, the astral projection. And this was a couple – so it's, it hasn't happened in a couple days. So um, I think it was right around Christmas. But the third night was uh, that I saw the, the night hags and it, that I heard a noise. I don't ever re- recall hearing a noise. And I heard this chittering from – there was four of them. And I could hear them chittering. Wow. And they were standing around me as they usually do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so super creeped out. <laughs> Very, very creeped out by that. That that is, well, you know, I've got some old, I uh, got some theories on where all that stuff is. We're going to get into a couple of those theories when we talk about the Hellier stuff, but <laughs> but it'll be interesting to hear. It was well. Let's go ahead and move right into our topic, man. Topic of the night. So yeah, we're uh, going to be talking about Hellier, and uh, check this out. Let's get some basic info. Yeah, so yeah. first I think we need to say that if you haven't seen Hellier and you're listening to this episode, you might want to pause, go binge Hellier, and then come back. Yeah, absolutely. Spoiler alert for sure. Yeah. There, if, if, we didn't use any, if we didn't spoil it, the show would be 10 minutes. Yeah, um, because there's too much just good stuff to talk about. Um, but it, it it's absolutely amazing. It's on Amazon Prime. It's also on YouTube. Uh, just H E L L I E R. Uh, check it out. Um, this. Uh, let me see. Let me get some basic info here. Yeah. So the first season is like five episodes, and then the second season is I want to say ten. I think ten, it's 10. or eleven. Yeah. Um, 
And really, it, it when you when you really watch all of it all the way through, you realize that the second season is really just a continuation of the first season. It's almost like they said we got to get so we got to get something out there. So they put out five se- they put out five episodes. Yeah. Well, even just, then, they were like, so much happened as soon right. as we finished up. Right. So, um, but uh, the 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 uh, this comes from Planet Weird. Uh, this is uh, Greg and Dana Newkirk. They both run Planet Weird, um, which we follow on Twitter. Love all of their news and just yep. cool stuff that they put out there. Um, but the plot summary here on IMDb, I'll read for you guys, says a small crew of paranormal researchers find themselves in a dying coal town where a series of strange coincidences lead them to a decades-old mystery with far-reaching implications, and that simply describes the first season. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's directed by Carl Pfeiffer, um, who's super cool. I mean, and he's in this as well. That's the cool thing is it, it's a, you know, when I first started hearing about it, I was not excited about it because, you know, small time, in my opinion, small time ghost hunting docs are pretty bad. Um, a lot of times they're just trying to emulate ghost hunters are trying yeah. to, God forbid, trying to emulate ghost adventurers <laughs> and who oh, we got our energy drinks. Let's go bust some yeah. ghosts. Um, but uh, I kept hearing different things uh, when we were researching the Kentucky Goblins episode. Uh, we even brought it up and talked about it, but I hadn't seen it really yet at that point. Uh, but I got very, very interested in the Kentucky Goblins, which is tied very heavily yeah. to this. In fact, I would say the first uh, episode, they spent probably 15 or 20 minutes talking about the relationship between this event in Hellier as well as the Kentucky Goblins that happened in right. Kelly, Kentucky. Right, and then w- once we get done, we'll talk about some of the theories we kind of connected during our uh, uh, Claude Beast Claude episode. Beast episode yeah. yeah, Um But this stars Greg and Dana we talked about. They, they also do the traveling... Um, Oh, I wish I could remember offhand. Paranormal Museum. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, But, yeah, they also do that. Um, They're actually just up in Cincinnati, so they're only an hour and a half away from us. So uh, if you guys are listening, we would love to talk to you guys or at least just hang out and get some coffee. We're only an hour and a half away. I'm so in love with you guys. Just spitball ideas. (laughs) (laughs) But you also got uh, Connor Randall. Connor is so cool. (laughs) Like, I love Connor. He's, like, so down to earth. Tyler Strand, Crazy Boy McGee. And um, Tyler didn't show up till the second, second season. season. Well, the end of the first season yep. fo- via phone call. Um, you know, and then a bunch of other people that show up as guests and things like that. Um, but this this just opened my brain. Yeah, it, I mean, it really it really caused me to to really think hard about a lot of things that I've been contemplating over the last year. Well, especially you being the more seasoned skeptic of the two of us. Yeah, you were even like, holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like well, and you know, I don't want to, um, I don't want to sound too much fanboy here, but the uh, you know, Greg's uh, one of the things he talks about. I think it's in season two, is his journey from kind of being raised in a very strict mm-hmm. uh, Baptist type uh, upbringing, and then how his journey to expand his mind is you know over the last twenty years. And that's that's something I think you and I can resonate with. Absolutely, we were we had a similar me. Probably more so than you, but, but yeah, mine a was a Catholic upbringing. Yeah. I mean, I went to Catholic school, right. everything. Um, fear of God, for, yeah. <laughs> for sure. So I mean, you know, it's it's not only breaking that, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, kind of brainwashing that you get at those institutions, but it's also expanding your your third eye, if you will, as, as to what the possibilities are. Well, and and if I could sum up this show in one word, it would be synchronicity. They talk about synchronicity. Oh, yeah. 
from episode one to the end, and it is something that I have talked about for a very, very long time with uh, my good friend Santosh, um, who is also obsessed with this, and he wanted to be here, but he couldn't. His car, oddly enough, broke down and couldn't get here. And so... Um, so he, he's not able to be here, but we talk about that a lot. Just some of the similar things that happened to us when we went to this university in Campbellsville, um, we felt a, a lot of the stuff that they're going through. Like I was talking to him and I was like, God, David, this reminds me of the stuff that we believed was happening in Campbellsville. Yeah. We had very much, but we used to joke and call it the Hellmouth because Buffy was popular at the time, but we legit felt like there was something there, that yeah. something was happening and no one was seeing it because of all the Christian eyes that were on it. No one wanted to see it. But us in this small group of, I mean, like, let me tell you, I don't think I've ever even shared this story on here before, um, but just to share the weird things happening in Kentucky, Right. So when we were going through all this and just being freaked out by things, um, finding synchronicities at Campbellsville through documents and things like that, we went driving. This is all by Green River Lake. And uh, we drove out to Green River Lake uh, because Santosh said, hey, I'm going to be out there. Something's up. I'm I'm scared. Blah, 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 blah. You're going to need to pick me up. Uh, I'm I'm here, but I'm going to walk over to the park area where we always hung out. Um, and it was like a half hour drive from the university. Yeah. And so uh, my friend and I, who I won't name because I don't know if she wants me to, but we went driving and all of a sudden we just see it's nighttime, right? We see darkness in the road, hmm. but it's a different type of darkness because we're driving in darkness, right? Yeah. It's a different color. And as we get up, we start to see that it's blood. Like there's just blood everywhere. It looks like. And there's just pieces of deer everywhere. I mean, in the trees, hanging in the trees, all along the rails. I mean, it just looks like four or five deer just exploded and just went out in all directions. And we scream and we're like, we're running over everything and we're freaking out. We're like, oh, my God. I mean, it's on both sides of the road. We go and we get David and David says, I can't remember because it's been almost 20 years now, but Santosh David says um, something along the lines of, oh my God, we're being, you know, we've gotten too close. You know, there's this whole thing, blah, 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 blah. I felt this thing that we've got to be weary that there's death. Somewhere there's death. And we're like, oh my God, and we're telling him what happened. Yeah. And as we're driving back, we never saw it. We drove, it's a main stretch of highway. Yeah. It wasn't like it was a side it's road. One way in, one way We out. were gone for 20 minutes. Yeah. After after that, nothing. There was absolutely nothing. And we turned around and went back again because we were like, I don't know how, because we didn't do, 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 yeah. do over anything. Um, but, yeah, that happened. And there were big what they call monkey cats sightings, which is what I tied to these goblins. Yeah. Because everything they talked about with these goblins reminded me of what the locals that we had become friends with had called monkey cats in that same mm. area. We've got a family of friends that we went over to their house and they've got six daughters and they were all crying. They all had stories of this monkey cat that would jump on their car and it was small and it, they just didn't know what to call it and everyone in the area called it a monkey cat. And I'm like, this might be that. What color like, was it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's one of those things that you think to ask. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, remember that monkey cat? Remember what color it was? But yeah, I mean, they definitely yeah. were stressed that it was not yeah. um, a Yeti because it was too small. Right. Um, but even in that area, we found Yeti sightings in, uh, I used to, 
my friend, who I'm not going to say, uh, worked in a library, and I used to go down to the archives all the time, and I would go through all these old news articles, and I found two news articles from 1898 that had two separate Yeti sightings at uh, the opposite ends of the year uh, in Green River Lake. Wow. And uh, just different stuff like that. And so watching this show, Santosh and I both were like, this is very reminiscent. Yeah. You know, but we were so young. There was, you know, internet wasn't what it is and and stuff like that and then go figure here's the other synchronicity that library friend of mine that friend that uh, lives in somerset now and second season is all about about somerset and like and i am trying so hard to get her to watch it but she's just busy i mean she doesn't have time but i'm like she's a reference librarian i'm like y'all should have been y'all should have like interviewed her she knows everything backwards and forwards about somerset and I'm just like, man. And her house was so haunted, man. A lot of my stories that I've shared on here came from her house. And it's just synchronicity, man. Like yep. uh, Again, that's what I'm saying. Like, And, and uh, synchronicity really went into deep mode into the second season. Oh, yeah. Big time. But the first season. I mean, the, let's not get a little too off topic. Yeah. Let, <laughs> which I, mean, I, which sure, I do. Yeah, I'm sure we could. <laughs> Talk a lot about your uh, experience. Oh, but, yeah. I but. mean, I some of the stuff I've shared about Campbellsville didn't tie into the, I'm going to air quote here, hellier experience that we went through. Well, that you know of. Yeah, that I know of. I don't know if, if some of the other things How are deep the rabbit hole goes. You know, Santosh swears that he saw tr- like, a, like a troll or something underneath one of the bridges outside of campus. You know, it was green and small, yeah. had big ears. He even had a night hag that was similar to, and this is when he was freaking out. It's like, there's even a night hag that had jumped on the end of his bed that had the p- pointy ear. I mean, it's just yeah. like there's, uh, right now it's hitting me. I'm like, oh, my God, synchronicity, synchronicity. Right. <clears throat> so, yeah. So for those who have watched um, Hellier uh, Season 1 and 2, um, you'll know that uh, the kind of description of the uh, goblins that take place in Kentucky as well as the goblins that are you know that kind of kick everything off in Hellier mm-hmm. um, are just kind of those little uh, uh, grayish or, or what actually they, I think, have associated with the grays mm-hmm. from an alien race. And so... Uh, one of the things that they talk about quite a bit is uh, ultra-terrestrials as opposed to yes. extraterrestrials. I was hoping you were going to bring that up because I did a, a deep dive into ultra-terrestrials. What, th- explain that. <clears throat> so best I can, and I have not done a deep dive into ultra-terrestrials, so I'm going to speak off what I think it is, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. So what I think ultra-terrestrials, basically, so extra meaning coming from outside of the Earth, ultra meaning some advanced race coming from inside of the Earth. I think so, yeah. So uh, still more advanced than humans, let's say, but but coming either from inside of the Earth or from the Earth, so maybe via a, d- a dimensional rift or... Or the or, hollow Earth theory. Or the hollow Earth theater theory, you know, so... Uh, but, but still just... So that every experience that anybody has ever had, um, thinking that it might be an extraterrestrial, it might actually be an ultra-terrestrial. Right, and I've definitely heard that, that... The alien sightings may be ultra terrestrials, and yet the UFO sightings that we see are pretty much just the government. Hmm. Like that's something that I've run across when researching is that that's just all government, you know, stuff. Even Keith was talking about find it funny that everybody was seeing triangle shaped uh, UFOs, and then the stealth bomber shows up. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like I get that, I get it. And so, but yeah, the sightings themselves, cryptids and things like that, fit more into this ultra terrestrial. Uh, 
theory of this ideology, you know, and I'm, yeah, I'm down. I mean, it, you know, when you think about it, I was thinking about it today, actually. Um, you know, we have, and I've, I think I've mentioned it on our show before, we as a, as a people, as a, as the human race, uh, we have uh, grown our front brain, and we have forgotten about our rear brain. So there's a, the concept that... Call it the ass brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, there's, there's a concept that, yeah. like, the rear brain is what controls your kind of um, your um, animal instinct type mm-hmm. situation. So, uh, you know, fight or flight or um, when you, you know, get that spine tingling feel or the hair on your neck raises up, all of that comes from your rear brain. Whereas your ability to conceptualize things and to logical, you know, logically um, to break things down, all that stuff comes from your front brain. Right. Well, as we've grown as a people over the last, you know, a couple hundred, a few hundred years, um, and our front brains have continued to advance, we've kind of forgotten about or we, or, we, or we push down what happens in our rear brain. And so it makes me wonder if, like, there's an opportunity to do some type of uh, experiment where you go on a ghost hunt and you somehow turn off your front brain and you tap into that rear brain to makes, see. Makes you wonder wh- if that's what the God Helmet does in a way. Yeah. You know, maybe I, it does. who knows? I, I have no I've idea. never never gotten to experience it, so I don't know what it I know, I really... Like. <laughs> I'll tell you what, 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 two things that really struck me that really made me very interested, and I'm super jealous of Greg and Dana and them, is the God Helmet idea and then the Estes method. The Because uh, I looked into a kit, and it's not cheap. Yeah. And um, that is something as... You know, as someone, especially I loved when Dana did it. You know, I'm I'm paganist too, so I resonate with Dana a lot. Um, I'm pagan as well, as well as uh, I have psychic gifts and things like that. And I I'm very interested in seeing what that would be like for me. Yeah. Um, on terms of how I feel things through the Estes method, as well as um, the the different things that they did. But then to see how you do it too, with with having the um, the photographic memory like yeah. are you able to pick things quicker than me because my short term goes quick sometimes and i'm like i forgot because i hear something else right right and so wonder how that stores in your brain mm. i would be very interested down the road for us to somehow get that somehow get it should one. be like a paranormal rental uh yes. facility where you can yes. rent tools for the paranormal yes uh, just for a weekend i would (laughs) totally do that business (laughs) idea yeah (laughs) uh copyrighted trademarked by fearscape media um but yeah i mean that that's the thing and that's that that estes method is what took connor out of being a sound guy into being a central character yeah right and i say character just in the sense just I'm a theater person. Right. I, I see the overall story. I mean, and that's what Carl's doing anyways. He's putting together a story. Right. God, I wonder how much. I love when he's like, I, you know what? I, I found this tape later on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that first season, I mean, essentially it's just Greg and Dana. Essentially, for the most part, like. So Carl, I think Carl comes in like episode two. Connor comes into the picture at the end of episode two in the first season. And yeah. They're kind, of, they're kind of in there off and on, but. But first season, you're right, is mostly Dana and Greg and kind of how it's it's really laying the groundwork. Yeah. In, in my opinion, like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But oh, in, no. In, in my opinion, uh, uh, season one is like a prequel yeah. to season two. I, I would absolutely agree with that. But it's it's what sets everything up, thus the word prequel. But it's like, so the emails that come in. So first of all, you get this email from, uh, oh, what's his name? David Christie. 
David Christie. Yes. God, I can't see. I hate that you can remember that stuff. <laughs> David Christie. And then, of course, we we get this stuff from Terry Wrist. Right. Right. Terry R. Wrist. Terry Wrist. Ha, ha, ha. Um, which they're able to find out he's in one of Alan Greenfield's books. Right. Right. Which, man, there's a Reddit subreddit that's out there where someone put together every single book mentioned. And um, I will tell you, a number of them are free on Kindle Unlimited. <laughs> and so I've already downloaded a couple and bought a few. Uh, very, very interested in every single book that they talked about. But yeah, so we get this email from this guy named David Christie, who's basically saying he's got Kentucky goblins in his backyard. Right. That they're messing with him and they're coming out of the mines well, or like the, the caves. The first email is almost like an enticement. You know, it's like, a, yeah. hey, you know, I was given your name uh, by a mutual friend, Terry Rist. Um, you know, Greg. Greg is thrown off because they only ever did ghost investigations. Yeah, they. I mean, with, with I, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but they weren't anybody at the point. Like, and this guy who's in the back of a book mentioned them. I get it too. I would be like, why did you pick right. me? You know, you know why aren't they, you hitting George Nori? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. So you know, so they get this you know kind of first little uh, teaser email saying, hey, all this stuff's going on. And Greg decides, you know, hey, I'll just, we'll see where this goes. You know, he, he replies back with, you know, would love to help you. Do you have any more information? And then, boom, it's like David comes back with this three-page yeah. uh, explanation of everything, of these, <clears throat> these what do you call them, hairless, uh, his, his daughter called them um, hairless children. Yeah. Oh, gross, yeah. With these little creatures that are coming out and playing in his yard and terrorizing his, his, his family and tapping on his daughter's window at mm-hmm. night and... And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just just to hear the, uh, I guess, like the the dramatical uh, reading of the email uh, with some of the the pictures that they throw up on the screen is a little unsettling when you watch the show. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know they they start to do some research into they discover the Kentucky Goblins and things like that, and then where Hellier sits, and and we're time jumping all over the place. Oh, so yeah. don't expect that. Um, but one thing I loved was when they talked about the Mammoth Cave System. It's the largest cave system in the world. Yep. And looking at a map of what we just know right now, it's all already incredibly connected. Yep. And it runs all through Kentucky. And it's all very, the way through the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, all the way through the Appalachian Trail. And it's like, it's a. A system that can be traveled, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, uh, somebody, maybe it was Santosh said to me, he was like, well, you know, so many are, are underwater. I'm like, we don't know that they can't breathe, which brings me back to the clawed beast clawed of the Ohio. Beast, yeah, what if they yeah. are amphibian? We, we have no idea. Like if we're going on the ultra terrestrial yeah. uh, idea, what if they are amphibians of some sort, you know, and. Well, then you got the well. That's you know that the one we did on the the claw beast of the Ohio. If you remember, there was three events that took place in 1955, mm-hmm. all within pretty close proximity to each other. There's the Loveland Frog that took place in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. or just outside of Cincinnati. <coughs> There's the claw beast of the Ohio, mm-hmm. and then the, the Kentucky was, Goblins was, was in Evansville, in, uh, Indiana, and then the Kentucky Goblins, which took place in Kelly, uh, Kentucky. Yeah, which we did a thing. It was like 75 miles south, directly, directly like a south. straight line. But I mean, you know, it's the Ohio connects through to the to the um, river into uh, the cave, cave system and everything. And if you remember when we talked about the uh, claw beast of the Ohio. Uh, the the uh, victim had some mud on mm-hmm. her leg that was only found in under river cave yeah, systems. Yeah, in, in underground river cave systems for sure. So yeah, it's all it's <laughs> all connected, man. It's all absolutely connected. But anyways, they they head out to Hellier uh, to go investigate this because they they can't get in touch with David anymore. He's just kind of right. 
disappeared. Disappeared off the map. For a lack of a better term, he ghosted them. Yeah, he, <laughs> exactly. He ghosted them, which, you know, Greg's like, you know, probably like, oh, well, I can handle this yeah. ghost. <laughs> but they they decide, you know, because they met Carl and Connor and those guys somewhere at a con or something like that and became a friend. And I think Carl thought it'd be a good idea. Hey, let's yeah. film. Um, and uh, so they started kind of filming and some doing some stuff and ended up going to Hellier, uh, which I've been in Hellier. I've actually been to the gas station they've been to multiple times. Um, my friend lived out in Hueysville, mm. and, and, and I've been out to Pikeville a million times when I worked with Kentucky Shakespeare yeah. doing tours out there, and I've been to that gas, that gas station. That gas that station. Gas station. <laughs> I'm already picking it up. Like being to that gas station. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's like I've been out there, so I was, I was already synchronicity again. Yeah. I'm like, I know that gas station. Well, you, like, know, what, you know what's really uh, – it's both – uh, funny and sad uh, is that <clears throat> probably because of where this is happening, the rural part of Kentucky, mm-hmm. that any story is probably immediately discounted as being, you know, <clears throat> and I do not feel this way, but just dumb country people. You would be surprised, though. Like, yes, because there's a lot of, like, deep Christian roots in there that immediately say, you know, no, no, no. But then there's this old-timey folk yeah. people that exist too that are very much like we've seen things y'all can't even imagine yeah. well I mean if you think back to the episode we did on Native American mm-hmm. uh, uh, creatures one of the things we talked about was like their version of the fae uh, up being up in the Appalachian Mountains yes and so when you go back to even hundreds of years ago the folklore of the area there were these creatures that yes. lived in the mountains yes so <laughs> And there are, I mean, like, and then you'll meet a lot of country folk, uh, especially mountain folk, that'll tell you things that they've seen lights and just and cry and tell you these stories of creatures they've seen. And it's, when, when do we start believing these people? Right. You know, like, that's, that's what I'm saying. That, that's the sad part, mm-hmm. is that because of where it is and because people automatically discount it's just, you know, a country bumpkin, yep. that, <clears throat> that you know, their, their story doesn't hold water. I've always wondered, though, it's like, who who is the one that's considered okay? Because it's like, oh, you're a country bumpkin. Oh, you're a poor city kid. Oh, you're a rich guy, so you're just, you know, crazy, right? Who? <laughs> there is no... And then we even have the Navy come out saying, and they're like, ah, I don't know, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> the government lies to us all the time. They're yeah, probably lying like, about this. So there is no... <laughs> person that you're like well i'd believe them well actually so i think what it probably boils down to is that people's um unwillingness to believe is their own their fear right yes because because to accept it that something like that is possible just brings into question all kinds of other things about your own kind of what you believe and Mm -hmm. your own experiences and all that kind of stuff and it really starts to make you question yourself and for a lot of people that's too much yep um, but they get to, and I was sad that this was never figured out in season two, but they try to find David Christie and not a soul knows who he is. Not a soul. So they did, they did find something in season two. Yeah, a little bit, but still not, no, not enough for me because small towns, they know everybody. Well, they, <clears throat> I don't know. So they found the house and it burned down. Yeah. Used to belong to an individual named David M. Peer, uh, Pearsons. Yes, Parsons. Parsons, excuse mm-hmm. me. And so that was the, a close match to David M. Christie. Right. Um, but they didn't know if he was a doctor or not. Right. You know, but I mean, all that relies on the information that he sent, too. I mean, that that's the thing. It's like there's so much secrecy because you don't want to be outed. Well, see, I think a lot of times people, I, I wondered about the, the um, 
the whole saying that he was a doctor to me that is to give credibility sure so sure. you know if i send you an email and say i'm an unemployed um, actor <laughs> then maybe I don't have the same credibility as if I say I'm a doctor right? sure absolutely that is definitely an old school thing to do for so sure. so it's it's he may not have even been a doctor he may have just included that to make his story maybe he's a time lord more credible <laughs> he was <the> doctor. <laughs> but regardless that uh, just first season alone they get to hell here and no one knows yeah. who that is I mean right. they didn't know where it was you know they had an idea of a house that they thought it was because right. it kind of fit the description right. and luckily you know, Carl had, you know, uh, some extra videos so they were able to find it in season two. But, yeah, I mean, it was just an empty house. And, and yeah, but, but, I mean, that was my thing. It's like I feel like in a small town people would know. People would know. And, and granted, he wasn't there that long, but still, I mean. But, I mean, it, it also could have been owned by someone who wasn't David M. Christie. Correct. And rented to this person who very was true. a doctor. Very, so. very true. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? A lot of people don't know renters. They know yeah. owners. But they discovered how scary that Eastern Kentucky can be um, by being out there because you, even the people they were meeting were like, oh, yeah, let me tell you yeah. stories. Uh, and, and they do. Like I said, mountain folk out there and the people Pikeville and all that area out there, they all have stories of things that they have seen You know, when they're out because they're in the country. I, you know, since watching that, I haven't had an opportunity, but my uh, – my grandmother uh, grew up in um, uh, Monticello. Mon Monticello. Mon not Monticello. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Monticello, Kentucky, mm -hmm. which <clears throat> the uh, the house that she lived in was next to a cave entrance. Mm, interesting. So yeah, I, that's not far from if, Somerset. I wondered if they ever saw anything vegetable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, that whole, that whole area is rife with stuff. Um, but, yeah, they get there, and they – Nobody's really helpful, and they're you know they're. I think they had more interesting thing happen at the place they stayed. Yeah, right? you know this was <clears throat> so yeah this was still first season right there. Yeah, first season, in, so they're staying, staying at that, that cabin. Yeah, that cabin, and you've got you know Connor on the the Estes uh, yep. machine, and all the while something's in the bushes. Right, you know something's and, just outside of you. Right, so and just it's outside. like yes, I know skeptics. I know it could be a raccoon. I know it could be a squirrel. I know it could be a Kentucky wildcat. I know it could be a bunch of yeah. things. But it, what if, what if yeah. it was something else? Right, right. We just just because it can be all those things doesn't mean it can't be what we're talking about. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, and then just, and then the the big synchronicity thing, the t the tin can. Yeah. You know, when Car or Connor. Connor sees this tin can in his mind and he can't shake it. Right. It's just an un a used tin can, and it's a very particular type of tin can. Well, he kept saying, when he was doing the Estes session, he kept saying, Carl, Carl knows this, and Carl knows the way. Mm -hmm. And they immediately thought that they were t he was talking about Carl, the the director guy. Yeah. But actually, later on, it's found out that as part of the uh, Ingrid Cold, that there was a connection there for a Carl and a Connor. Yes. And so in both cases of the Estes method, you hear Carl and you hear Connor. Connor. And you assume they're talking about those people, but it's actually related to Ingrid Cold. Let me tell you, Ingrid Cold, okay? I am obsessed with Ingrid Cold now um, because of this. Like, and, and I forgot how much the Mothman Prophecies movie really tied the two together. Yeah. Um, the Mothman and Ingrid Cold. And, and I knew I had heard that name before. Um, but I've been reading a lot of stuff up on Indrid Cold, and, and we will be covering Indrid Cold for sure. Um, but it's it's just very interesting, all that. And then, you know, they... I don't remember how they got to that that cave 
where they find the tin can because it's been so long. So it was an old railroad tunnel. Right. They had asked around if there was any place they could go to, to get into the cave system. Oh, that's right. They that's were directed right. to that railroad tunnel. And so then, and then from that railroad tunnel that was supposed to connect into a bunch of different cave systems from there, because it was like a two mile long railroad tunnel. Yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, there's a lot of old, you know, not only do you have caves, but you do, you've got these mines and a lot of them connect. Right. Right. And there are a lot of old towns. When I went out there visiting my friend that lived in Hueysville, he's like, let's go take a ride. I'll go show you something cool. And he's taking me on this mountain road in the Appalachians. I mean, there's no rail. I mean, I <laughs> you're freaking out. I'm freaking out. I mean, you can tell he's been driving this since he was a kid. Right. But he takes me. It's about 45 minutes deep into the mountains. And then all of a sudden he's like, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Boom. City hmm. in this valley. It's just this small wooded valley. And everything's just overgrown. And we get in there, and it's just this old mining town hmm. that was there, he said, was there for 10 years only in the 50s. Wow. And then it dried up, and so they left. Everyone moved. I mean, there's just empty houses. Yeah. There's a school. There's an old general store. And most people don't even know it's there. There's, like, not very many of the windows are broken. I mean, it looks like a snapshot out of wow. history. But with just trees and vines yeah. grown up over everything. And he's like, yeah, we used to play here when I was a kid. We used to take our mopeds up here, you know. And like, mm. I'm just like, what else is there? And he's like, yeah, the mine entrance is over there. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like. Well, it's funny. I was talking to somebody about. Um, so when Taylor, this is a little off topic, but when Taylorsville Lake in Kentucky mm -hmm. was, was originally formed, um, <clears throat> there used to be a road that ran through a tunnel that went across the river mm -hmm. that was Taylorsville before it was lake. And when they decided to build the, the dam and dam it up, <clears throat> they didn't tear any of that stuff down. Yeah, no, there, there's they so just, many they cities. They just let the water fill up over top of the houses and stuff that yep. were left. And he said that when it first filled up, the water was so clear that you could go on a boat and look down through the water and see houses and barns and yep. sheds and everything I've heard else. that. I've heard that with all the – because there isn't a natural lake in Kentucky. They're right. all man-made, right. and I've heard stories about that from all of them. There are. There's churches down there. Uh, it's not just Kentucky. They're like, yeah. Missouri does it and things right. like that. Um, but, yeah, whole towns just underneath there, and so, you know, divers I, go down there and stuff. <laughs> it's cool. Well, you know, so our talk about, um, you know, when people die, they, they – Mm -hmm. get, kind of get stuck wherever they died, maybe. And so at the bottom of, of lakes, there are ghosts. Yeah, just around. walking around. Yeah. Like, the, like it's nothing. Like it's nothing. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but, yeah, so they don't find anything, but they do. They do the – the they Connor finds this tin can in there that looks yep. precisely exactly – Like the one he saw in his head. Like the one he saw in his head. Absolutely. And so there's, you know, kind of a freak-out session. Right. And, you know, like – Connor definitely freaks yeah. out. I, I think he was a pretty decent skeptic before right. all this happened. <laughs> you know, everybody's a skeptic until they have that kind of one event mm -hmm. that really says, well, yeah, but, you know, right. mm -hmm. look, you know, look at all this kind of evidence and stuff. And, you know, for me, that was when we did the Bardstown, you know, yeah. I was a skeptic up until, man, that was just a crazy thing. And so from there, 
I've kind of had my my eye open, if you mm-hmm. will. Looking yeah, your at things. third eye open. I think <laughs> yeah. I've made that joke already. Um, but yeah, so second season gets even deeper. I mean, they end up meeting Alan Greenfield right. and asking him, "Hey, is Terry Rist a real guy?" Because there are people saying it's just it was actually just uh, Alan, Alan Green. Right. But they they found like Alan Greenfield's like, "Yeah, come talk to me." Right. I mean, season two was insane. They got to meet so many cool yeah. people. Um, but he's like, "No, Terry Rist will find you when he's ready." Yes, he plays these games. You know that he was this yep. code breaker type guy Vietnam vet that just eats this up yep so and, and, and I <clears throat> I did excuse me I know they did the thing with the numbers where they had a 16 digit number mm-hmm. on a card or yeah 16 digit and they put that into excuse me like a standard kind of number cipher and they came up with like 93 93 39 yeah. 90, uh-huh. so on and so forth <clears throat> but um, in, in Terry Rist's email that he also mis- misspelled a couple of words mm-hmm. he separated things out and I took those letters and I plugged them into a uh, just a general, just alphabet cipher. Mm-hmm. So one equals a, two yeah. equals b, so on and so forth, and figured it up, and it equates out to a phone number. Hmm. Now I sent that to Greg. I don't know if, it, if they're going to do anything with it. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't want to just call, randomly call somebody. And say, <laughs> hey, are you Terry Rist? You know, but <laughs> he, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it would be interesting to know if it was just something you know kind of simple like that, just because. Just because they proved one thing doesn't mean that there may not be other things to solve for. Yeah. Did you do a reverse phone number lookup? <laughs> I did. Well, I, I, did I uh, mean, Terry Rose ain't going to let yeah. his number be out there. It's a cellular number. That's all I know. Hmm. Uh, area code's based in Southern California, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's where the person is. Right, right. Well, I mean, they said that they thought that's where Terry might be was in California, if you'll remember. Yeah, so. so. Boop, 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 boop. But, yeah, so it was cool meeting Alan Greenfield. Just opened the floodgates. Oh yeah, it was just that that whole. I mean, if you if you pay attention to the clock, that's kind of flashing behind. Yeah, them. they were there for they were there for like six hours. <laughs> I'm super jealous. I want all that footage. I want all of yeah, it. Yeah, all the unedited footage, please. So I want that book, but it's it's a hard one to track down as oh, well. Oh yeah, I it's mean, not, I think I found a copy. You talking about the Euphonaut? Yeah, the Euphonaut. Mm-hmm. I think I found a copy. It's like 193 dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, Greg, if you want to go ahead and uh, yeah. make some copies make and some send copy. that to Fearscape Podcast <laughs> at gmail Thank you. Uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, second season was just crazy, man. Like it, it was so good. Yeah, and getting into the injured cold stuff and just getting into just. All of the different theories, getting into Alistair Crawley, who we covered last year, um, and David. It's funny because my friend Santosh David, it was reading an Alistair Crawley book when he was watching Hellier, and so he runs to the book and was like, yeah. "Oh my god, oh my god!" And all the numerology and just yep. number ideas, and whew, that's all stuff that I've, I've yeah. you know, been a part of and done and touched, and, and it's just crazy. Man. Well, you know, they they talk about in the first season and the and the second season, they talk a lot about the third order. Yeah. <clears throat> and the third order being a part of the, um, uh, and now this I'm going to blank on, but it's <clears throat> it's some, like, golden uh, society or something golden like that. Golden Dawn. Golden Dawn, there mm-hmm. you go. And there's three orders, yep. and the third order being kind of the highest level and <clears throat> all this kind of stuff. But I was also thinking about when we did our podcast with, or we did the interview with Stephen Stanick, and he was talking about the gin. Mm-hmm. And I did some research on the gin. <clears throat> and if you remember, one of the items that I found in the research is that <clears throat> in the um, um, Arabic, uh, there's three races. Yes. There's the angels, yep. the jinn, and humans. Yep. And so you could almost say that the humans are in the third order. The jinn exist outside in a southern in another oh. plane, and the angels exist outside in another plane. 
And so maybe the human's MIA is we're not living up to our part of the bargain. Mm-hmm. Wow, interesting. Yeah, Golden Dawn is very, very interesting. It, it in itself was really, really cool, but even uh, Crawley was like, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of that influenced a lot of Gerald Gardner stuff into modern paganism and, and stuff like that. But yeah, so it was cool. So, so you got Santosh reading that stuff, his synchronicity. Yeah. I mean, he's emailing me, or I mean, he's messaging me on Facebook every episode. He's just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. This, 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 this is how it connects to me. This is how it connects to us. This is, uh, like, already. Yeah. Um, I'm just blown away. And I I guess because we're in Kentucky, we're extra close to it. You know, because we're here. We exist in this nebula of Kentucky goblins, right? And everybody, like, I've been asking people, and everybody's got a story. Like everybody's got a story. Well, we, you know, we were talking to our friend uh, a few months back, and he, you know, he made the statement of, "Is it just me, or does it seem like Kentucky has more stuff going on than any other state?" Yeah, and I used to say, "Oh no, that's yeah, you know, that's just because we're here, right?" But no, maybe I don't think so. I mean, I mean, it's just I find more stuff on Kentucky <laughs> yeah. than anything, man. Oh, it's crazy, man. Um, but what else have we got in season two? So Somerset, all of Somerset. Oh, Somerset is just. The stuff that they talk about there, and, and there seems to be some type of like um, uh, shadow leadership, yeah, some sort of secret. Yeah. And so that's why I was cracking—not cracking up, but just like blown away. I'm like, God, now he's hitting secret conspiracy theories and right. government, um, shadow governments, and things like that. And I believe that I've heard tale—not in Somerset, but just in these small towns—they're like, you don't mess with so and so and so and so. They're actually who in, who's in charge. Well, and you just—I mean, a lot of times in small towns. I think just in general, you kind of have the hierarchy of who you don't mess with, right? Right. And if you're an outsider, you're an outsider. I mean, right. It's just you don't get the same uh, interaction as somebody who lives there. And so it was nice that they were able to find that guy that ran the uh, the museum local. Yeah, which I, I've been wanting to go to for a while because uh, the last time I went to Somerset, it wasn't there. So I'm very interested in going, and good for him. I'm sure he's getting some customers oh, yeah, sure now. Some <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I very much want to go. My friend that lives there said it's really cool, and I'm very, very pumped to get to Somerset. And it gives me an excuse to see her and go to the museum. So, so road trip sometime. Yeah, road trip in the summer. We can get a houseboat and go on Lake Cumberland. <laughs> It'd be great. It's also the Moonbow down there. If you've never seen the Moonbow, it's the only place in the world right now you can see the Moonbow because uh, the part where it was in Lake Victoria in Africa dried up. I, I saw a Moonbow at my house. Not not this. This is a not a circular. Okay. This is an actual rainbow, and it's the only place in the world that you can see uh, a rainbow created by the moon. Okay. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Because I saw a Moonbow in my backyard the other night. Mm-hmm. Like the full circle. Yeah, full circle around the moon. Those those are called something else. I don't remember what they're called. But this is not around the moon. It's yeah. the light from the moon creates a rainbow. Oh. It's really cool. And you can see it every full moon because it's the way that the the mist and the water comes up. It's yeah. it's just it's really cool. Do you know um, that do you know that all rainbows are full circles? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That kinda caught me off guard, but there's some stuff on like YouTube and things where people take video and stuff of rainbows when they're in an airplane. Mm-hmm. And it's just a full circle. Yeah. And uh, that's why I've always found it funny that, you know, leprechauns say, you know, the, that the gold yeah. is at the end of the rainbow because there is no end. <laughs> You're just right. constantly yeah. walking around. It. Blah, blah, blah. It's, it's it's literally a Mario Kart track. <laughs> um, you can't fall off the edge. Though. Yeah, you can't fall off the edge. But, yeah, season two, man, so good. Dana uh, and just the references to Pan because yeah. that was already where I went as a pagan. I was immediately thinking Pan. And then when they brought up Pan, I was like, yes. 
because Pan has already taken, you know. So if you remember when they did the uh, Estes experience uh, at the cave in Hellier first season mm-hmm. in the railroad tunnel, they they talked to somebody there in the tunnel, and they they all said they all said, I get the feeling like there's something there and it's sleeping and it's not ready to wake up yet. Right. So then you go to episode two and they do the the, the ritual in, in the uh, in the cave to try to call Pan, mm-hmm. and they and they say uh, <clears throat> some some uh, you know they don't really get the response that they were necessarily looking for. The last episode of season two, they're sitting there on the couch with uh, El Tenney sitting there with them, mm-hmm. and uh, and they said you know they're, they're talking about this ritual that's to call Pan. And uh, Connor says, uh, the only God, or actually may, it may have been Greg, the only God who, who ever died, and E.L. says, or who is sleeping. Right. So maybe Pan is in Hellier. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and that's something that I thought about. I When they did the ritual and all that stuff, I'm like, they're in the wrong spot. Why aren't they doing this in the train cave? Yeah. Like, that was one thing that I absolutely thought, because that's where the tin can was. Yeah. That's where we got a lot of information. They were being told to go to that place. It, the thing was sleeping. It wasn't ready to wake up yet. Right. That's where they should be and doing what, it. And think about this. You know, the three notes, right? Bomb, bomb, or I don't remember. Bing, bing, bing. Yeah, bing, bing, bing. Um, Three notes. You think about a train horn, it's multiple notes blaring at the same time. Right. It's a train tunnel. Yeah, it takes three is what the – it was a – it was bing, bing, bing. Yeah. It takes three. Yeah, and so here we are. I'm like, go to that tunnel. Right. Make it a train horn sound. See what happens. See what wakes up that way. Yeah. Because maybe that's how it used to wake was through these trains that used to go through there, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, so <clears throat> maybe we'll see all this stuff in season three. Maybe somebody's maybe they're making the same connections. We are. Well, and, and even then, and uh, I will say this, I, I love Dane. I love being a pagan. I love um, what she did with the ritual. I would have done more. I would have absolutely done more. Um, and maybe that's just my path. There was a lot more. I thought it was a little vanilla. Um, and maybe it's because everyone was scared. Um, and, that, and that's possible. I mean, you know, watching a show, you don't know all the ins and outs. Um, but yeah, I, I I feel like the ritual could also be a little deeper. It could be a little more. Um, instead of just saying, you know, I call you spirits of East, literally invite the guardians of the watchtowers of the East, right? And mention them by name, you know, uh, fairies and, and, and all of those different things like I do in Circle. I call out um, creatures that embody that as well and invite them all there and, and different gods and different things like that. I wonder if that makes a difference, especially these creatures that are a part of nature, which right. is Pan. Right. You know, like you get to West where it's water and the sylphs and mermaids and things like that nature fire you've got your uh, salamanders and and different things like that these are all things that pan would be interested in right and um yeah i think they just assumed the pan flute was the way to go but i i think it might be yeah. a train horn um and and yeah i think i i hope next season i hope we see them go back to that train tunnel yep. and do that again there because i'm a big believer sometimes it takes three so maybe they need to do that two more times right I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But I was, was I was ready to see some shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm happy to be along for the for the ride. I mean, I, and I do think, and I think I've ex- I think I've shared this with you a little bit, but I really feel like, and this is going to be a little out there, but I feel like that something's coming. Mm-hmm. There's there, there's something coming, 
And I feel like the, the governments of the world, they know about it, and they, they've put their plan in motion. Well, it reminds me, I don't know if you've, you, I guarantee you haven't, but have you ever heard of the Celestine Prophecy? No. It's a fictional book, but it's uh, using fiction to tell what they believe is fact. And it's essentially something was coming, and it wasn't the end of the world. Like, they had kind of predicted around the 2012 type thing. Yeah. They thought that there was going to be a shift in energy, and, it, you know, that people would become enlightened and things yeah. like that. Because David and I talked about that as well. So, I mean, and that's when I kind of I feel like something's coming. The government has their approach, but this this third order or whatever has a different, they want to take a different route. Mm-hmm. And in the age of social media and everything, they've, they're using Greg and Dana and, and Connor and um, Carl and, and, and uh, Jay. Um, Tyler. Tyler. They're using those guys as... Um, for lack of a better word, profits mm-hmm. to help get the word out to maybe lead people to enlightenment or uh, to to grow their minds so that when this event occurs, there won't be so much shock and awe or whatever the case. I may. mean, if you look at this group of people, and I include Tyler in this, they are the perfect Scooby Gang. Yeah, everyone has their own strengths, and even as like crazy as Tyler is, like. He, they need that. They yeah. need that person that's going to jump first, right. right? You know, and you know you've got Carl, who's essentially the skeptic. You know, you've got Connor, who is the soft-spoken. You know, I'm going to call him a genius because he's super smart, right? He's that. Yep. You know, Dana's the witch, and 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 Greg is like kind of the Fred of the group, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, you've got this kind of perfect balance that that exists there. The only thing they need is me and you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just kidding. But yeah, they are a perfect group with strengths that really help each other. And man, I'm like, oh, I wonder what season one had been like had they had Tyler along the ride. Yeah. In the first one. Probably more more cave ex- ex- exploration. Right. But, you know, and to play skeptic, you know, it's like if you've ever seen the movie, the number 13 or whatever that movie is. The number thirty one, or it's got Jim Carrey, um, but nope. you 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 do you start to see patterns and you start to see things and um, I mean it's that uh, this thing I always used to say it's like uh, when our friend Justin got a Jeep all of a sudden we saw Jeeps everywhere yeah you know it's it, and it's I that mean, same. you do you mean but but just because your eye is open doesn't mean it's not occurring Co- uh, correct and, you know, that's like I said you, I'm just gonna play skeptic for a yeah. second <laughs> I mean you didn't you didn't hallucinate those Jeeps they were actually on no. the road. Well, and even then, I mean, it's like, you know, with the balloons, like the blue balloon. One thing they never mentioned was that Ceres is a blue star. Yeah. You know, so it's like. Well, the, and there's one thing that they said once. They said it one time or one time only, and then it was like for like <clears throat> 15 seconds. They said that um, good aliens come from Ceres um, and bad aliens come from Orion. Yeah. I, I thought that was very interesting as well. But it was like it was said once, and then it was never mentioned. Or, never or mentioned touched again. Touched on again. You know, and then, you know, you can only put so much stuff in. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and then, oh, we ain't even touched on old girl that sent her crazy emails and ended up in jail. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then man. They, they did a video call with her. Yes. And... I was so thankful that we tracked her down because I was like, please don't tell me we're going to have more people not showing up. Well, she did kind of disappear for a while. And it she, was, it was because she was in jail. She got, got arrested, <laughs> right. So. But, man, I know people like her, man. I mean, coming from that area, you know. Well, and it's, you know, if you think about it, if there is kind of this uh, uh, shadow leadership, if you take somebody who already has a questionable past or questionable connections with mm-hmm. her brother and things, 
it makes it an easier story to sell and to discredit her with whomever she's reached out to. Absolutely. Absa freaking lutely will I add with that because yes skeptics I can do this but yet there's a reason if there is a third order if there is some sort of something else that's pulling the strings they're the ones giving you the tools for your skepticism yep. right there's a possibility of that you know I will I will never say 100% on anything because we just don't know and I, yeah. I hope skeptics listen to our show but that's my side the non-skeptic side says but yeah something could be pulling those strings that that it is hiding that stuff from us and you know you can say oh well how come no one's come out people have come yeah. out think about the 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 technicians that came out about area or i mean about the roswell incident nobody believed them right, right? uh people that come out about area 51 no one believed them. them i mean it's so it's like once again w- when are we allowed to believe the people that come out yep well it's it's <clears throat> or even Bob Lazar. There's another one. Well, I mean, it's just the. I think again, it, what it boils down to is, even if you did believe them, that you would cause you to have to question what you believe in, mm-hmm. and most people aren't ready for that yet. And so you you take a show like Hellier, which maybe gets people to think about that kind of stuff, and <clears throat> so you have people like me and you, who are already kind of open to that line of thinking. Right, and we maybe pull in people on the fringe of our relationships that are <clears throat> barely, you know, open to that kind of stuff. They watch Hellier, they start to open their minds, and so on and so forth, and so on and forever. And we start to to grow the movement, if you will. Yeah, and and, and that's what it's all about. Anytime something like this um, gets bigger, um, it. it you hope that it expands everything. Yep. You know, like that, that's, that's the thing you hope that it gets out there more and who knows, maybe it's just big to us, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I mean, they've been getting email after email and I'm like, third season's going to be even more crazy because of all the connections they're meeting, yep. you know? And like, you know, and who knows what'll happen? I mean, just the emails and you know, even Greg was like, God, we get so many emails and so much of it's crap, but every once in a while, right. Something comes through and we're like, Whoa, like I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm some of those emails because I right. <laughs> send them some of my ideas and things like that. But and and I, you know, I don't send them to them in hopes that they'll like plug my podcast or right. Yeah, or, no, we're generally you know, interested right. in I'm, figuring this out. Yeah, I'm, I'm a problem. Them. I'm a problem solver. I want to help any way I can. So I'm into paranormal CSI, baby. What do we need to do? <laughs> <laughs> we need to dust for fingerprints. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like a, a, because I'm impatient. It's like I don't want to wait for season three. Get right. me involved because I want to help figure it out right. now. I believe in this stuff and I am willing to put in work like that. And yeah. and I think that's what so many of us are these armchair paranormal detectives we're all like okay hey we've done our own research maybe this will help right i'll sign an nda until season three (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly and i'm just like and i guess for us because we're you know so close to where they are yeah you know i'm like we're just right here i mean i'm I'm 90 minutes i'm like 90 minutes or less away yeah i've already got a cool airbnb that i've stayed (laughs) at in covington we're good to go and we can go get some hofbra house (laughs) So, but yeah, so man, there's so much we could talk about here. Yeah. So I mean, much. if you, um, I would say if you've watched it, go back and watch it again. Yeah. Oh yeah. And watch it with stuff, someone, you know, cause there, there's probably even stuff you missed. Yeah. And like I said, watch it with someone get introduce people because the more and more people that, uh, will watch this, the more and more 
we as a community can help Greg and Dana and Carl yeah. and all those guys figure this out. Right. You know, and yep. be a part of their synchronicity. Yep, exactly. So I, I once again I love this this documentary. It is literally my favorite documentary ever, like in terms of paranormal. Yeah. But Hellier is yeah. is it's hit me in a place that connects me. Yeah. And uh, somehow it it makes me feel like I'm a part of this. Yep. And so watch Hellier. Like I said, Amazon Prime has it for free. Uh, well, season one. Provided and two. you have. Amazon well, if you Prime. have Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, YouTube, I believe you can find it there. You can follow Greg and Dana and those guys on Twitter. Uh, Planet Weird, I know you can follow. Um, uh, Weird HQ, I think. Yeah, weirdhq.com. Weirdhq. Check out all of their stuff. All of their stuff. I even found some of Dana's old ghost hunting videos where it's her and these other women, and it's great from back <laughs> in the day. It's on Amazon as well. I can't remember the name of it offhand because I don't have your memory. Um, but, yeah, I'm – I. I have become a big fanboy of you guys, and I am so proud of what you guys have done being in the paranormal yep. community ourselves. This is big, and this is awesome. And I can't wait to see what you do outside of Hellier. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm very interested in following what everyone does. Carl, I want to see some more movies. What do you got? I right. want to see it all. What do you, what do you got? So, but, yeah, um, you know, we want to we start wrapping up because yep. it's, it's that time. Um, but we've got our listener stories. So yep. we were talking about how weird Kentucky is, right? And so we get so many stories um, that I find on Haunted Kentucky. Um, so many freaking stories from people. And I've got a number of them. And you can send your story to us at fearscapepodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter or Instagram Facebook, or Facebook Instagram. at uh, fearscapepod. Um, we're very, very interested in those. We want to hear your stories, and we definitely have had some people send us some stories. This one comes from Doris Smith Gallenstein, uh, and uh, this is her story. When I was 18, I was leaving my boyfriend's home late one night from Flemingsburg, Kentucky, when I saw a large old house burning. I sat in the middle of the road and watched it for, like what seemed five minutes or so? I had really weird feelings about it. Like, what should I have done? You see, back in the early 80s, we didn't carry cell phones, so I just felt helpless. I went home and I told my brother-in-law, whom I was living with, my sister and him. He reassured me that I couldn't have done anything. So the very next day, I went back to Flemingsburg and looked at where the house was on fire the night before. But when I got there, there was no sign of anything burning, ever. What could this mean? I always thought about that. Why did I see this? And when did it actually happen? Hmm. <laughs> right? So was that a residual? Residual burning? Yeah, like that that created such intense energy, the house itself. Or did she pass into a parallel dimension? Yeah, that's also possible. But, I mean, we see ghost ships and things yeah. like that. Could we not see a ghost house? I don't see why you couldn't. Yeah. I, I don't I know. I guess if the energy is attached to the place. And, yeah, I mean, it's a whole different world back in the 80s. You didn't, you didn't, couldn't just t snap right. your picture um, and, and, and all that stuff. But, but yeah, thank you for uh, letting us use that story. Um, keep sending them in. Even just quirky incidents just yep. like that. That's what we want to hear. Something that's just unexplained. Odd. Odd. You know? And I'm, I'm thankful that, that your brother-in-law didn't say, oh, you have a wild imagination. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
So, um, but yeah, we're going to get out of here. Uh, but as usual, thank you guys so much for tuning in. You guys can always find us at fearscapepodcast.com. Uh, we're on Stitcher and Spotify and Apple Podcast. We are on everything. Every, pretty much everything you might listen yes, to. Yes, yep. we are on everything. So tell your friends, tell everybody, get them to listen to Fearscape Podcast. And uh, yeah. On that, I guess we'll get out of here. So this has been Steph, and I will catch you on the flip side. This has been Josh. The truth is out there. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight. Good Good night, night, folks. Good night, everybody. I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much. (laughs) Tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fearscape. <laughs>